We have no way to check our work, so I guess <laughs> we're going to go. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Good morning. <laughs> I'm Naomi. I'm Liz. And we are the Run Galloway Girls. And you are listening to our podcast, and we're so excited to be here on this Wednesday morning. Um, we have... No way to check our work today because for some reason we have no playback in GarageBand. So, this is really a scary episode. <laughs> no pauses allowed. We just got to go with it. Go through. Now, we do very, 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 very minimal editing um, on this podcast. On Sunday, we edited out my dog and guitar case falling down the stairs. <laughs> and then we took a little pause to talk to Sarah um, and then went right back into recording. I think that we've edited out That's, the coffee maker. That was our longest. Course. Yeah, that was our longest pause. Usually it's just we might do a quick pause if there's some background sound that we want to mm-hmm. get out, but we don't actually go back and edit. So No, not at it's all. It's pretty raw. Yeah, but that's that's how we like <laughs> it. Um, I was actually happy to hear that Some Work All Play is also very raw as a podcast, and they don't do a lot of editing. So. Yeah, and it's and it's that sound. It's that natural sound. You're not absolutely you're not hearing a very edited sound. So. Yeah, which is super great, and we love it. Um, speaking of, we are going to take a pause for just one moment, and we're back. We had to set up our video because we were, were trying to get our podcast on YouTube. Yeah, just so there's more. Super fun. To see. So we've had so many people. <laughs> I'm kidding, but um, some there have been a couple of people who have asked, "How do we fuel?" And we've been talking so much about how we want to do a food fueling episode, but this this has a lot of feelings there's, around it. Yeah, and there's also a lot to cover. So I feel like we're going to have to do like multi episodes covering it. I was thinking the same thing, and we're going to have to really like we're. We're going to have to get kind of raw here with our own issues about food, Absolutely. too, as we, like, share how we fuel and then how that's changed over time. And then hopefully we can even share some reasons why, like, scientific reasons why we've changed for the better. Um, you know, recovery reasons. <laughs> yeah, and not just the science behind it, but also, like, we've both been in places of disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, yeah. you know, we've all, we also want to talk about how, where we are in that process, how, you know, how we've changed because of that and how we've tried to just be healthier yeah. in general. So in addition to, like, there being actual real reasons why, if you don't feel, it will affect your life <laughs> for the worse. Absolutely. So... I guess we can just start out and talk about why fueling is so important as a well actually this is a tough this is a tough thing to start with why is fueling so important because if you're in a space of but I'm doing it without you may not actually these reasons without like true hard scientific evidence might not convince you enough mm-hmm. but the thing is your body needs it needs fuel, it needs calories, it needs carbohydrates, it needs fats, it needs protein, and it needs all of those things. Um, and as a runner, you you really need no less than 60, I would even say 70% of your diet should be carbohydrate. Right. Which, that's a lot. It's a lot. And especially in, I feel like we all grew up and we all grew up in fat focused times where mm-hmm. everybody was, everything was low fat, no fat, zero fat. And then, and then more recently, we became adults in, in like the fearing carbs yeah. time. Um, but carbs are great. Carbs are energy. And 
Here's the thing. People, um, especially with like carbs being villainized and a lot of people looking at the ketogenic diet, which I can actually speak a little bit about the ketogenic diet. Um, but people doing that because they're like, well, our bodies can run on ketones. They absolutely can. Ketones are what your body turns fat into fuel, turns into ketones. Ketones can mm-hmm. cross the blood-brain barrier, so they are an excellent source of fuel for your brain. And they don't need oxygen to do it. And so the ketogenic diet was developed for children with drug-resistant epilepsy. Okay, children with drug-resistant epilepsy who were still having seizures. And ketones could cross the blood-brain barrier without um, oxygen. And the reason I'm getting into this part is they've also used the ketogenic diet more recently for Navy SEALs or Marines with non-rebreather oxygen masks, usually people at about 15 minutes using a non-rebreather diving instrument. So that's like where you can like swim underwater and you won't make any bubbles. Um, After about 15 minutes, you'll start to have seizures. But what they found is by supplementing, having these um, divers on a ketogenic diet and supplementing with exogenous ketones, which means ketones created outside of the body, they were able to use these oxygen rebreather masks for much, much longer 30, 40 minutes to an hour, two hours, which is just incredible. But this is not a way to live. (laughs) This is not a way way to live. And there's a fantastic episode, actually, that probably if you listen to it, you will start, like I did for a short period of time, thinking the ketogenic diet might be like magic. But the thing is, nothing's magic. <laughs> um, there's an episode of the Tim Ferriss podcast where there's a scientist and he talks all about the science behind the ketogenic diet and how it can actually starve cancer cells. And this is all sounding great. This is, sounds like I'm selling it. <laughs> um, but, yeah. and what happens is cancer cells, they can't persist on ketones. Mm-hmm. They can't get energy mm-hmm. from ketones, but our cells can, but here's the thing. If you think that this, that like, you know, you hear this stuff and it does sound amazing and it is, and there is a place for it. It is a medical treatment. It's a medical diet. Um, but it's not like deciding that your body is now an electric vehicle and it's only going to run on electricity. Our bodies are hybrid. Our bodies are gas powered that can run for about 30 minutes on electricity. We're like plug-in hybrids. We can go around town like once or twice, but really if we're taking a trip, if we're running for running a marathon, even if we're just doing any bit of, you know, activity, we've got to have the right fuel. We've got to have gas in our tank because you don't want to be stopping every, you know, 20 miles to plug back in. <laughs> Which in that case would be that you've run out of fuel and stopped. It's exactly. not going to be like you can't just you know, well, I guess you can. You would take some actual carbohydrates in if that if you were running on ketones at to that point. Um, I mean, and, there is there there is like the body is is magic. The body, our bodies it's, it's are amazing. so great, and they can persist for quite a long time mm-hmm. in a depleted state. But there are there are costs, there are risks, and it's not worth it. Um, and so, as an athlete. And as someone who wants to enjoy activity for as long as they can, um, you've got to fuel properly. So 
Um, maybe maybe we should do a little like deep dive on on some more reasons why not to do some of these diets, but um, I did just want to like touch on the big one, yeah, when that it's popular one. <laughs> well, and and just carbs are so important. Yeah, they really are. Um, and and you know there, yeah. This is a this is a, a triggering topic for me because I have a lot of disordered eating in my past. And I'm still recovering, even though I have not intentionally been in a calorie deficit for a very long time. I still have some really disordered patterns and weird relationships with food due to years and years and years of eating. Oh, yeah. And improperly. Me too. Definitely. Yeah, I know we'll dig into that probably another episode because it'll just be a lot. Oh, my gosh. It will be so much. It will be so much. But let's talk about, as a runner, what you need. So you need carbs and you need protein and you need fat. Um, We're not going to get into the specific ratios, but I would say at least, at very, very least, you're looking at kind of, you know, 60% carbs and probably 20-20 fat protein. Maybe right. I, yeah. And um, then, but protein, you can actually look at um, numbers in regards to like, you know, how many grams per, per kilogram. Grams per, yeah, kilogram of body weight. And that's the other thing. So when you're thinking about food, you also can't, calorie counting is out, Ma- even macro counting. So even we're talking about like, like, oh, percentages. We, what Naomi said is grams per kilogram of protein. You know, that's more for like adding additional. Exactly. So we want. It's to give you a baseline to say, oh my gosh, I'm probably not getting enough protein because right. if you were to go look at your diet and realize like, oh, I'm getting a hundred grams a day of protein. That sounds like a lot. Well, but that is actually that's actually probably that's actually range. a great it's a great number. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm getting sixty grams. Yeah, so it's a great number. Um, so I would say it cannot hurt any athlete to add a protein shake to add twenty grams of protein to their diet. Right, right. can't hurt. Um, I mean, unless you have some kind of disease where you can't process protein. <laughs> right. Um, so this is not medical advice. This is more. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more from our experience. You can't when you are running and you want to perform well. You have to fuel well, and there is no. It is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous game to try to restrict nutrition and train, even for a five k. It's right. dangerous. It is a dangerous game. So if you are, and I think I mentioned this post on the podcast already, but I can't remember. Um, I made a little post on uh, Facebook like five or six years ago that said, what's standing in between you and your wellness, fitness, your fitness, goals. Your fitness and wellness goals? And what was interesting about it is a lot of people said food, food standing in my way of my fitness and wellness goals. And what they interpreted as fitness and wellness was body size, right? Right. And so that's something that we have to, as hard as it is, we have to like just break away from. You have to honor and respect your body right now, the one that you're in, and you have to just say, this is who I am. I love this body of mine, and let's see what it can do, and how can I make this body better? Yeah, what am I capable of, not what... Does it look like, or what right. can't it do, or what size is it? 
um, you know. And how can I add to those to those capabilities? Right. And so when we're when so when we reframe that, and it's hard. We oh my gosh, it is so we hard. <laughs> it is so hard. But when we do that, and we say, okay, this body is amazing, and I right now am capable of a twenty minute walk today. Um, maybe stretch it to 30. I know we talk about like just walking, just walking, but it's the start. Um, and then start to pay attention when you eat foods. How does it make me feel mm-hmm. like, you know, when, you, but not, I wouldn't say pay attention to every little bit. I would pay attention to when you're eating ice cream, how does one bowl feel delicious. <laughs> if you're going back for two and three and four, maybe get in touch with like, why? Right. If it's just because, man, I like this and this is delicious <laughs> and you feel great, go for it. <laughs> is, yeah. And or, you know, am I bored? Is there something else that that's driving this? Am I depressed? Right. And then start to get in touch with why are we turning? Because, and I think that's really common for all of us is that we'll turn to, you know, food to comfort us. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having foods that make you feel good. Food should taste good. And they should make you feel good. It should make you feel good to eat. And yeah. So it's not like villainizing any food groups or any, um, ty- you know, type yeah. of food. And I even think it's okay when you're sad and you're like, man, I'm sad and I want to find some comfort in this food. That's cool too. Yeah. Um, but maybe also see, can I find some comfort in some exercise. Can I find some comfort in talking to a person? Do I need, yeah, exactly. Do I need to call up a friend and, you know? This is a great, you know, this is actually kind of a great segue to, or just like random off topic. So I was diagnosed with ADHD at 37 and I went to the doctor after kind of having the realization like, oh my gosh, my life is ADHD. This is crazy. And I said to her, I said to the doctor, I said, well, I have great tools in my toolbox. I have planners and organizers and, you know, schedules and routines and I have all these tools, but I need another tool and medication was that tool. So I don't think it's bad to find comfort in food, right? As long as it's not your only tool. It's when you misuse Mm -hmm. a tool that the tool becomes dangerous. Uh, It becomes a weapon that you've turned on yourself instead of... And just like all of my planners and my control, I tend to think that my eating disorder came from wanting to control the feeling of overwhelm that I had due to having ADHD, right? So... Sure, it was a true eating disorder, but it also was a coping skill that I developed due to having ADHD. Yeah. So that this is where it's like it's almost like everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> exactly. I know it's it's so cliche, but it's exactly that. Yeah. 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 And mine too. My eating disorder when I when I had I, and I'm not going to say I only had eating disorder for a short period of time, but when I had a really more severe case, it was a, it was a, you know, combating anxieties about where I was in life. I was about to Mm -hmm. graduate college and it was, um, a control mechanism. It was something that I found that I could control. And so, 
yeah, again, we'll probably dig into that. That's kind of, that's a hard topic we'll want to yeah, be able I, to open up about. But. I kind of feel like eating disorders are like like being an alcoholic. Like mm-hmm. you don't have them and recover from them. Right. You like are always in recovery from one. 100%. Because the moment you're like, well, I'm totally cured, like it'll sneak up. And, like, actually, so I'm, like, listening to the old SWAT podcasts episodes, and they talk about how a lot of times you can kind of pinpoint when a, quote, healthy eating habit habit started, and you're, like, and, like, you realize if you really get in touch, oh, no, I did this, like, this was my eating disorder, or this was my issue. Like, David was talking about how he didn't eat a cheeseburger until he met Megan because he was being healthy, but really it was his disordered eating, like telling him that. So, um, and so anytime you have like these great restrictions and I really, really, really struggled having, I mean, I was still like, I wasn't in the depths of my eating disorder, but I had some like kind of pretty severe disordered eating habits at this point when I was diagnosed with celiac, but the diagnosis of celiac disease actually scared me. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if this brings back my eating disorder now that I have to focus on on what what I'm eating eating, and reading and, and read packages and all of that. And I... I do struggle. I do get kind of overwhelmed and anxious when there's not a gluten-free food. And I've talked with another friend who has celiac. And, you know, one of my things is, like, I'm like, I have to take a deep breath. And I have to say, I will survive this. And I have to eat. Like, being anxious about what if what I just ate could make me sick later will make me sick. And so if I can calm that piece, then it's just... Does it have gluten or not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and David and Megan talked a bit about with some of their athletes, I think in particular, who've been plant-based. So yeah. vegan or vegetarian. And so my, my story, I've been vegetarian since I was 15, and it's it's never, it was not at that time and, and hasn't been tied to disordered eating. It's, it's, it's tied to, you know, animal welfare. But right. I have, I can see how, so um, I was vegetarian for about 15 years. I went vegan for about five years. And while I don't think I was disordered at the time, I did find that once I started introducing um, eggs, especially, and some dairy back in, which came with um, my second pregnancy because I was just craving eggs and realized that, okay, my body's telling me I need this. In here, Patty, come on, tell the stars. (laughs) My my son uh, loves eggs. I haven't, I've let them back into my diet and I haven't um, restricted back. And so this has been since 2019 that I've been back to being vegetarian instead of vegan. And that's more of a, it became, it's actually a way for me to make sure I'm getting enough fuel rather than, um, you know, it's actually the opposite. It's, it's making sure that I'm not restricting at all. Well, and I think it's also, so I think when you use the word vegan, and I, I think that this is societal, not and and then we encompass it as people, right? When we like and even vegans will say, Well, that's not actually vegan. If you're if you're mostly vegan right. and you eat eggs every once in a while. Or honey. Or honey, they'll say, Well, that's not actually vegan. Right. Because vegan is like the strict definition. And anytime you have those rules, then it's like that's like it could be a trigger or that could be like a place where 
anytime. I, I don't know. That could be a place where it could get dangerous. It can, yeah. And so, um, but when you have, like, I make these choices, I make the choice to be fed, and I make the choice to leave animal products out as unless my body needs them to be fed. Right. It's like... The ro- have you guys seen iRobot? Like, have you seen iRobot and the three rules? And the three rules are like never hurt a human, uh, never always obey a human unless, and like the third one is unless obeying a human will hurt a human, like or will violate a rule. It's like, like if you're if well, I'm vegan, then you're making the choice to be vegan over being well fed. If you right. say I'm well fed, I make the choice to not eat animal products unless I have to be well fed. Right. right? And, and then it's like, it's like more flexible. I had a, yeah. And yeah, when I was vegan, I followed the, like PETA has a 99% oh. rule and I followed that to where, yeah. Again, so one thing, for example, the flu shot. You were shot, actually super good with, um, being flexible. With being with, flexible so with the that. flu shot is made using chicken eggs to, you know, Oh yeah. Make, to grow it. So, so, as a true vegan, I couldn't get inoculated against the flu. No, like obviously for my health, right. I always, so even again, even that period of five years where I was pretty stripped because I did not do dairy or eggs, I still was doing what was necessary for my health. Right. And right. if there was something that had less than one or 2%, um, you know, animal product, I, you know, could let it slide if, right. again, if it was necessary. Well, if we were out and if we were out. Yeah, and if I couldn't and, guarantee what was in the meal right. at a restaurant. Right, and we went out to actually a steakhouse, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't think that there's going to be anything for me. (laughs) And they made you like this delicious like pasta and vegetable dish, and you're like, you're like, I'm not sure. It might have had butter in it. But you were yeah. like, this was really good, though. <laughs> but I needed to be fueled. Right. And, like, right, that's, exactly. our, that's that's the bottom line is, like, you know, it's okay to have certain rules or restrictions. Yeah. Especially, like, for you, being celiac, you have oh my to. Gosh. Yes. It's, it's so, for your health. You have to so restrict. It's horrible. But it's not restricting. I know. Calories, but that's the that's the tough thing about gluten free, and that's the tough thing about. And actually, you are probably one of the best people I know who who makes an intentional choice to restrict your diet, but is very go with the flow about it. Whereas there are some people who make that intentional choice, and I just look at them because I don't, I do not want to. Not eat gluten. All I want to do is eat gluten. Bread. <laughs> like, it's not even bread. Like, it's convenience foods. Like, I want crackers yeah. from vending machines. Um, <laughs> which is, like, the worst thing. Like, that's what I want to eat. But, um, I like, every time somebody makes this intentional choice to restrict their food, I'm like... I just cry a little. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why would you do it? When you don't have to, right? right. When you have an allergy or right. a... Right, yeah. right. Um, but you, like, you're um, being, like, that you're... It's about animal welfare, and we've talked a lot about, like, you know, get making sure to buy ethical eggs. Right. And, like, Brian and I were at the store, and, like, eggs are really expensive yeah. right now. And I, he was like, oh... Eggs are really expensive. I was like, well, we're still getting these ones. And I pick, like, yeah. the, you know, the best ones I can get. And they're not jump, jumping up as, as much in price because they're not as affected by avian flu because they're taking better oh. practices. They're not overcrowding. Oh, I didn't even know that. They're not overcrowding. And anyway, so. I don't look at the price. Of no, but I just mean, like, there <laughs> are, it's, it's, if you look at it, it's like, you know, there's a holistic yeah. approach to it, too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. 
So we should probably talk about run fueling and what we're doing right now. So the biggest thing that I've changed this cycle um, is I eat between what, depending on the time of day, 100 and 200 calories, mostly carbs. Um, And the reason why I know the calorie content is it's a packaged food uh, right before I run. Yeah. Every time now. And I have found the Nature's Bakery gluten-free fig bars. They come in a pack of two. I think it's 250 calories for both of them. That is like the perfect pre-run fuel for me because it's easy. It's gentle in my stomach. It tastes Tastes delicious because it's a cookie. (laughs) Um, And if I've like just had lunch recently, I'll have one and then I'll have the other when I get back uh, or in the morning I'll have both of them or like right now I'm eating like a gluten-free breakfast bar, like, um, like a cereal like, bar, like a like Nutri-Grain a, bar, yeah. <laughs> but it's the Glutina one. Um, like, because I'm like, oh, my body needs fuel right when I wake up and I've never eaten breakfast before. <laughs> yes. It's a big deal to try to put something in your body at 5 a.m. before, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're not hungry and, but before you set out and if you don't you know I don't tend to eat before we run but I make sure I've got my fuel even when we're just doing a shorter run yeah I'm eating my fuel as soon as we choose. get started right like, and so and I've done that too like um eat like and I mean I'm still doing it like eating um honey stingers so we love mm-hmm. the honey stinger gummies those are some of our favorite Fuel um, run candy, run candy. They come in their packs are 160 160 calories, calories, which is more than like goo, like a goo gel packet, and even more sport beans. I think are a hundred. Yeah, um, in the one most packets are like a hundred calories, like most gels and yeah, like sport beans. So it's nice that they're bigger, and you Mm -hmm. it's not that you necessarily eat more in a setting but you have the option right you have them on you right and so we tend to for 17 miles I think I brought like four packs of fuel so Mm -hmm. I was like really chowing down our um our mile repeats I ate two full packs of honey stingers and beans and a martin right and oh right that's um, I ate a pack and a half and a martin yeah so and that was only nine miles miles total like Mm -hmm. and I was just chowing down so yeah I feel like we're pretty good about if we're doing faster work speed work we'll fuel more frequently we'll remember because it's really key to you know oh I feel such a difference too like the moment I eat some some carbs like when I run I feel a huge energy burst now so we that's what we use for fuel let's talk about timing because I've heard so many people say well I can't use fuel because I take it and all of a sudden I have a gut bomb and so timing of fuel start early fuel often and more is better literally so if we yesterday we went out on a run in the morning we only did an hour and we did it super slow and I would say probably by 10 minutes in you were eating fuel oh yeah right because again I maybe didn't eat before I left so I, I started popping my chews in that first mile I would say probably every run we're like by the time we get to the trail, which is about a mile, <laughs> we're, eating some fuel. we're eating some fuel. And so by fueling early and fueling often, you're going to prevent your body from diverting blood from your digestive tract to your muscles. You're going to keep some blood flowing because there's carbs there. So your body's like, yeah, I got to, I have to go it. and get it. 
I have to go and get it. And retrieve right? it, bring it to the muscles. <clears throat> and bring it to the muscles. So then you're not going to get that gut bomb. Because if you if you wait until 45 minutes in and you get that. You take es- that gel. Especially if you haven't fueled before. Right. You take that gel, your body is all of a sudden going to be like, what in the world is going on? We just kind of figured this out. And so if you are having any digestive issues, and I have horrible digestive issues when, when I run. Like, Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, related to the celiac, not right, <laughs> right. Just related to having horrible digestive issues. Yeah. Um, it's not related to fuel. If anything, they've gotten better since fueling more. Right, not worse. Um, there's one fuel that did not agree with me, and I did try it for a long time, but Tailwind. Tailwind gave me a literal tailwind. <laughs> and it's and um, it didn't affect me. So a lot of people who may, you know, some people might not find that it's a problem for their digestive system. It didn't, never gave me a problem, but some people it makes them yeah. gassy. Megan and, oh, it made me Worse. much more than gassy. <laughs> uh, but Megan and David said Basically. it was 50-50 with yeah. their runners. So, so, but it's got great stuff in it too. That's why I tried it for so long. Right. Um, and I actually found that I like to use it uh, as post-workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it still, so, still can work in there. So the the big thing is if you are fueling, I um, the goo packets right on them say fifteen before and every forty five. I would actually say ten to fifteen minutes before you work out, and then from that clock, every thirty minutes. So you're literally from fifteen minutes mm. before. That means by fifteen minutes in, you should be get taking some calories, some nutrition. Mm-hmm into your run and then by at 45 so you're not taking your first one at 45 into your run you're taking your second one then um and time based it's not mileage based so it's not four miles or you know three miles or whatever it's now more 20 to 30 minutes i would actually say for slower runs you're time based but think about our mile repeats at mile repeats you are distance based Right, because we were taking the same amount of fuel that we might right. have taken on a two-hour run, like or on a, on a nine-mile run that was longer. Mm-hmm. We took a lot of fuel in. Like I had yeah. a full Martin, I had a full pack of bean, full pack of um, chews. I opened another pack of chews. I opened some sport beans. Um, I didn't finish both of them, but I I opened them and had some. So yeah. that's and, a lot for nine miles. Yeah, and for during like during a training run like that, where we're doing like mile repeats, it's really um, it's helpful for me to do it like okay, I'm going to do it at you know our after our second or well obviously before our repeat starts, right. so before the first one, then maybe after the second one on that walk break, and then oh after you the took f- the Martins, the, yeah. yeah, that's usually how I do like I my Martins. I was doing but, two. I was uh, I did choose. I did three choose after each mile repeat. Yeah. And then I took, I think the Martin was after the fourth one. It was either the third or the fourth, because yeah. I remember, yeah. And then, so what's helpful for, like, during a race, because you don't have maybe, maybe you don't have, like, that interval where you've done, okay, I've done, you know, two, I've got a recovery now, and I'll take some fuel. You, we set a timer mm-hmm. that's, and we, I like the every 20 minute timer. Mm-hmm. So 20 minutes, I take fuel, and so, like, if it's Martins, I'll probably do a half Martin at each 20 minute interval. Right. Um, or some chews. Or sometimes chews. I'll do a half a Martin and then like in between, mm-hmm. like eat a chew because the chews taste good. And it's yeah. like, 
I mean, I'm showing up to Marathon with, like, Martins and, and Sport Beans and Honey Stingers. And salt And well. salt. Yeah. And then I'm also planning, like, I also, like, have looked what they're providing on the course. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to eat that when that's there. And I'm drinking Gatorade and water at every water stop. <laughs> and I'm carrying my water. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, more, so more is better. More is so, better. And it does So, again, we also, you know, it's not, we like Honey Stinger cheese, but, um... Any fuel is great. So really, yeah. whatever you have, whatever you like, or whatever you can get right. is great. There's no, like, bad, you know, run fuel. Goo is goo's what Sarah likes, and she she does incredibly well on it. We're trying to get her to do it a little more often. Um, but, you know, I used, like, just the goo gels for years, and they're great. I got really tired of the flavors because I liked yeah. specific ones, and then I would get bored of those. Yeah, flavors. and I don't love the texture, and that's the reason why I don't yeah. do that. And so it's, but again, I've used every, I've used Spring Energy, I've used yeah. Huma, I've used like all different brands. Um, you know, I've used like the Gatorade, yeah. um, choose Gatorade gels. Like, I've tried everything. I used to like the Gatorade pre-run drink. It was like a super, it was super carby and super sweet. Um, and it came in like a giant goo package. Uh-huh. And I used to take that before races. Nice. Um, it was like a super strong fruit punch flavor. Nice. Um, but it's been a long time since I've, since I've had those. Um, but you know what else works? Cookies work. Yeah. Um, Mini pretzels if, if they're not too dry for you. Right. Um, the fig bars. Jelly beans. Jelly yeah. beans. Sour um, Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. Oh, Disney races have Sour Patch Kids, right? And at, like the Richmond uh, candy yeah. station, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, Twizzlers. Um, I ate uh, peanut, peanut M&M's during one oh race. That was pretty Yum. good. Uh, that was Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. So so really fuel, 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 fuel. Um it's also important outside of your running to fuel. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Um, this is big for me because I used to think that, and I had the words to back up my thought, I used to think that my body naturally wanted to do intermittent fasting and that I naturally just wanted to fast from 8 p.m. to 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. You because eat, sometimes you didn't eat till 1 p.m. You'd be like, I oh, know. yeah, I don't eat till 1. Oh, I don't need to. I don't need to. My body doesn't need to. Yeah. Nope. I was ignoring hunger cues because I had no idea what it meant. Um, and that is a whole other thing. Probably, probably tied to ADHD and sensory yeah. and training. So I think there is a, I think that there's a piece of, like naturally, like ADHD people can sometimes not be as in tune to their body. They can forget to eat. I've seen it yep. in my family. <laughs> yep. It also, and it's because we're ADHD is not, it's like you, all of your attention is focused somewhere else. And so you're literally, you can ignore so many things. Yeah. And so, um, so I, uh, yeah, so this is crazy for me to say breakfast, lunch, dinner, two snacks, and no fasting, um, because I really thought that I didn't, and I performed well. I really thought that I didn't need to eat. Now, I did, even when I was, like, only eating from, like, 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. in my feeding window, I would sit down and house, like, 3,000-calorie meals, so I was getting a lot of calories when I was, like, running, but it probably still wasn't enough because 
I posted so many times in 2019 about how I didn't feel fueled, how I felt underfed. Mm. So I think it's it's also really important, but I didn't know how to change it. I didn't know how to get those meals in because also the anxiety of like, and the overwhelm with ADHD of like, okay, but how do I feed myself? How do I find a meal? Like, where are these things? What, how do I choose what I want to eat? And so one of my tips is actually to always have foods you like in the house, even if they're packaged. Yeah. Or in the car or your desk at work. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. Um, I make them on gluten-free tortillas. So peanut butter and jelly, if you like peanut butter and jelly, that's a great option for food because it's got fat, it's got carbs, it's got delicious. <laughs> it's got some protein. It's got protein. And it's easy. And like and sometimes it's, it's yeah. just like what's easy so I don't right. have to figure it out. Well, and then there's like all this like thought of like, oh, but I have to get a certain amount of vegetables and fruit. I'm like... Don't worry about getting the right amount of vegetables and fruit. Worry about getting the right food, getting just food in your face. (laughs) That was like checklist one. Once you're good at getting food in your face, then you can figure out if you're getting the right foods in your face. How to mix in. Like if you're eating cheeseburgers and they have tomato and lettuce on them. It's a vegetable. There you go. You've got yourself (laughs) a balanced meal. I love cheeseburgers so much. (laughs) I love them, and and um, we've actually been going to the counter um, yeah. at Town Center, so it's like a burger place here, and they have, and I'm not so a fan good. of grilled chicken, but they have a grilled chicken there that's so good, so I get a grilled chicken sandwich, and Nashville Hot is like having its day as like a flavor. It's like a paprika-y, brown sugary, spicy, mm-hmm. like... Wing sauce, it's really good. So I get the Nashville hot sauce for my grilled chicken sandwich. I throw some jalapenos and pickles and lettuce and tomato. It's so good. Um, I'm a big fan. And they have some kind of gluten-free bun, huh? Yes, they have yeah. a gluten-free bun. Carbs. It's very, very good. And french fries. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, and carbs. actually, after our after our long run, um, after our 17-miler, I got both sweet potato fries and regular nice. fries. And Brian goes... And those are all for you, right? And I was like, yes. Yep. He's like, get your own. okay, I'll get my own. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was so good. So fasting, yeah. it's dangerous though. It like is. why, especially for, for women. For women. It is. It, it shuts down metabolic uh, systems. It shuts down your hormone profile. It causes stress. So it increases cortisol. And so while it might work in the short term, eventually you're going to start to put on um, you're going to start to store fat around your midsection because that's what happens when your cortisol levels go up. And I um, recently, a friend of mine posted, and she's she's definitely an athlete, although I'm not sure she'd consider herself one. She teaches more like fitness classes than like a person should take in a in week. In a week. <laughs> and she teaches them, and she um, has a very... I would say, I'm going to use air quotes like clean, but a very, really orthorexic eating habit. A lot of uh, salmon, broiled salmon, a lot of grilled chicken, um, a lot of vegetables. Steamed vegetables, like not, there's not a lot of right, fat right. and not a lot of, I mean, no carbs. Not a lot of carbs. carbs, right. Um, her snacks are raw vegetables dipped in hummus, things like that. So um, she 
turned 30 and was complaining about uh, a little bit of weight, putting on a little bit of weight and was like, give me your tips on macros. Um, because that is a tool that bodybuilders use. If you change your macros up, you can drop fat and show muscle, but it's not a long-term way to live because it's not metabolically good. Anyway, I said, I said to her, I said, honestly, you're probably putting on weight now because your body is done in starvation mode. You've been at a calorie deficit for so long that now your body is storing everything it can. And the way to get through this is to actually ignore, ignore what your body is doing. Like stop thinking that you need to change it and focusing on it and increase all of your nutrition so you can write your metabolism, write the ship of your metabolism and then figure out how to love yourself as you are. (laughs) Yeah. And especially like if you're a woman and you want to have children, Right. At some point. Yeah. Like your body needs... I mean... It, oh. you, you will send that hormonal... You know, you can tank it to where... I, I'm focusing on food this IVF cycle and have been, you know, for the month leading up. Um, and I got to tell you, like, it's better than it's been. I feel better. Like, my HRV is better. I'm training more, yet... All of my things in my body, everything about my body says you're you're in better shape, like you're calmer. Like everything, like all of my yeah. systems are responding in this way of, of being in better balance, even though I'm I'm doing more taxing things, which is right. very, very, very strange. Like mileage is up as yeah. way compared to previous cycles. Yeah. Like- and somehow everything's balancing. I know, which is crazy. So my previous IVF cycle, my um, HRV was like 20, 20, 22, 24. And this cycle last night, it was 39. So that was pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. So the long story long of this fueling episode is fuel early, fuel often, and eat, 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 eat. Um, if you are very, very... Like, nope, I really want to focus on making my body look a certain way while I'm training. Reach out to a registered dietitian who has experience working with um, athletes. Um, it's very easy to fall to fall into red S or um, just yeah. into a low which, energy availability yeah, state. Yeah, relative energy deficiency syndrome, which they used to oh, believe just affected women. It's relative energy deficiency Defici- in sport. In sport, sorry. In sport. <laughs> they used to call it the female triad. Right. It, but it can affect both male and female athletes. Um, and it is where you, you are at a relative deficiency. So you might actually as an athlete, be eating 2,500 calories a day or 3,000 calories a day. And, but because you're burning 4,500 calories a day, it's not enough. So that's why counting calories doesn't, like, it, it doesn't work. And like, you could feel like you're eating a lot, but it, it could just not be enough for your, for what you're doing. So, and you don't have to, as a woman, you don't have to lose your period to have it. As a man, obviously, you don't have a period to lose. But if you're, and the, uh, you know, um, Featherstone Nutrition on Instagram posted something about it. She has 
Uh, she wrote some blog posts about it. Tina Muir has a video a series, series on, it. on it. And um, I was, like, chatting in the comments on um, a post about it. And a woman said, well, I have an IUD, and so I don't get a period, so I don't know... What signals to What are for. the symptoms? And I was like, well, it's like the symptoms are going to be fatigue and, like, kind of not being able to, like, frequent colds and not being able to recover from them and some exhaustion and feeling cold and... Never being able to hit your workouts. Right, and just kind of a low-lying fatigue, like, you're okay, but you're not. And she was like, well, that's kind of nondescript I'm like yeah it is it is nondescript but it's also like you don't want to wait for the big for the big like signal that something's wrong which is a stress fracture right because that's what's coming right yeah it's basically if you're not taking enough fuel and you're in that mode then yeah eventually something will happen like you're losing bone mass and so something yeah Something negative will happen. Or like, yeah, in Tina Muir's case, she's really famous for the fact that she didn't have her period for nine years. And so getting it back was a big journey for her in order to, again, she did have, she has two babies, two little girls. She ha- she wanted to have children. Yeah. And so she had to change everything to have children. She and was- she's super lucky. She's super lucky yeah. because... Um, you know, and she was young enough to where yeah. that she turned it around. Where she was at, able to turn like it 31 around. Thirty-one or thirty. Something but like being in that state and being in an amenorrheic state for a very long time does have a long-term impact. And I'm going to find a study on it. But what it does is it can actually deplete your egg reserve and your ovarian reserve faster than it, it naturally would, which could put you into menopause or diminished ovarian reserve earlier due to those choices that you're making when you don't really think about those So things. even if you don't want to have children, you don't want to go into menopause in your 30s necessarily. Oh, I mean, maybe. but you know what? If you, you know what? Here's the thing. Every woman's going to go into menopause and we've got to like lift the taboo. Yes. Um, lift the taboo. We're all going to go through it. Um, there are, you know, we were all scared or women were scared in the 90s because there were, um, uh, cancers linked, linked to hormone to replacement therapy. Hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. But in general, a woman who has severe symptoms from going through menopause, who has good cardiovascular health, it is actually worth going and using hormone replacement therapy in most people under the age of 60 who have the who have severe symptoms. And so I just read a whole thing in New York Times about that. So um, I think... It's more that, you know, you don't want to take that, you don't want a decision that you're making in your teens and 20s or even your mid-30s to impact your your future that you just haven't planned for, right? Mm-hmm. I do think, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but um, I have, you know, age-related diminished ovarian reserve, but could it have not, like, could all of my numbers have been better had I not trashed my body when I was younger. Mm. I don't know. You won't know, right? Don't have a time machine, don't know. But you have to, like, think our bodies are, they're, they do remember when we treat them poorly. You know, like, you can do everything you can to heal an injury or heal something, but that the shadow of it will, or the scar of it will always remain. And so we have to, like, just try to treat our beautiful bodies as they are. Um, And we're definitely... Love them as they are. Yeah, and we'll definitely um, dive in. 
I think on another episode and and get get uh, vulnerable when it comes to talking about you know where we are personally with our food and fueling and every well personally where we are with our feelings ab- about how we're fueling because we're both doing a really good job I think recently of of eating well and eating enough and you know listening to you know almost like retraining our brains when when saying like oh I snack on the wrong foods all the time nope I snack I snack (laughs) it's good I'm a snacker (laughs) versus you know because if you have an option of snack on chips or don't snack snack on chips if you're training for a marathon like they're not gonna hurt you right in the long run Uh, maybe also try to plan better to have something (laughs) you know but but there's yeah there's no wrong fuels especially when you're you can't burn the candle at both ends if you're training for a marathon a half marathon a 10k whatever you're training for or life if you're just running a you know running or working out Regularly, right. you are going to be in a deficit on like on days where you work out. You're probably in a calorie deficit. So right. Just eat more. And and it's really important to get that food and that energy around that run too. Like timing does matter, and that's where that's where intermittent fasting gets it wrong. Um, timing matters. Eating around that run is going to be metabolically so much better for you or around that workout than delaying and eating the same amount after you've, you know, your body doesn't have the fuel to make the adaptations from that workout unless you give it that fuel right away within 30 minutes. Yeah. Within 30 minutes, your muscles are looking for something to replenish. Basically you've broken down, you know, all these little, you've broken down connectors and you've, you've, you know, sent all this stuff into your bloodstream and your muscles need, you know, carbs and protein to refill yeah. those little holes. Yeah. The, um, the construction crew, they need gas in their, in their vehicles to like <laughs> reconstruct. If you don't give them gas, they're just standing around waiting and then you got to pay them overtime. And let me tell you, you don't want to pay your construction crew overtime. <laughs> That's a good analogy. So, all right. Well, I think that this is a really long episode because we've been talking for a while. Well, maybe not. It's only six fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think we've touched on enough here. Hopefully, yeah. we've given you some food for thought, and then yeah. we will definitely be digging into fueling more as well as like disordered eating. We might talk about red S more. We've yeah. You know this this is a really important topic. Um, and we for talk athletes, we talk so. about it a lot when we're yeah. together on runs as like reminders and like. We say to each other, like, how good each other looks because, you know, we have, like, little feelings about how we look. Body that image, are, dysmorphia. That are, like, yeah. That we're working on. <laughs> we're working on it. We are working on it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, we're going to... We're going to get into this, and we're also going to talk a little bit more about running. We didn't even cover our mile repeats, and I'm still so proud of them. Oh, so I know. we should do another episode to talk about the mile <laughs> yes. repeats. All right. Well, I think this is good for today, and um, Penny, what do you think? <laughs> She's sitting next to Naomi and, like, just getting, getting all the pets. She loves it. So... I guess we will sign off for today. So go eat something, um, go fuel, and enjoy your day. I think we're going to have a bonus episode this week. Yeah, it sounds like it. All right, throw some logs on the fire. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye. How do I stop it?